0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. Hi, I'm Irene Watson, and I am the managing editor of Reader Views in Austin, Texas.
1: And I'm Tyler Tischler, owner of Superior Book Promotions in Marquette, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all our listeners to episode number 96 in our series. Tonight's topic is Writing for and Reaching the International Market and our special guest will be Moira Allen. You can learn more about our guests on the Authors Access website, which is AuthorsAccess.com. Please send your questions and comments to info at AuthorsAccess.com. Tonight, our guest, Moira Allen, is the host and editor of WritingWorld.com, one of the world's most popular websites for writers. She has been writing professionally for more than 30 years, and she's the author of several books on writing, including Starting Your Career as a Freelance Writer and The Writer's Guide to Queries, Pitches, and Proposals, both from Allworth Press. Moira has been dealing with international writers and markets for many years and was the editor of Global Writers, Inc., a newsletter geared toward the international writer.
0: Hi, Moira. I'm glad that you're here. It, um, you know, I found you quite some time ago, and uh, you have quite a website. And it's not much wonder that Tyler just said that you've got the world's most popular website for writers because. I tell you, I only One of. One one of. of. (laughs) Okay,
2: one of. To make the claim that it is the world's most popular.
0: Well, I tell you, the information that you have on there, I just don't know of any other website that has that much information for authors. And uh, I just really encourage all our listeners to be sure and go to the website if they're listening to this uh, broadcast. And uh, it is writing-world.com writing-world.com. Yes, it's a great site. It's really great to have you with us, Moira. I'm, uh, I know that you have a lot of experience in getting articles out into the international market in various magazines, newspapers, and I want to know what is really involved and what the purpose is of getting your articles into the international market.
2: The primary purpose there is, of course, to try and get a bigger market for your work and you may be finding that you're kind of running out of markets in your area whatever the area it is that you're writing in in the i'm assuming we're talking primarily to united states based authors who would like to get outside the united states with their work exactly and of course you know, it's, it's basically the reason is you want more markets for your work than you can find here. Another good reason, too, is that there are a lot of markets in the, the U.S. where, let's say you're writing for a, a pet magazine, a dog magazine, for example, and you sell your article to that dog magazine. Well, they don't want you to sell that article to any of the other dog magazines on the market because they're all competing in the same marketplace, but... A dog magazine in Great Britain is not going to care in the slightest that you have been writing on that topic for a U.S. magazine because they're not overlapping in their readership. So it makes it a good way to get out to more markets that might be competitors in one country, but they're not competing overseas for the same audience.
0: So what I'm hearing you say, Moira, then, it's not an issue to basically have the same article that you've published here in the United States, send it out to the foreign markets, they have no problem with repeating it, as, you know, of course they do in the United States. Everybody wants to be, you know, own that article.
2: And, and that's very true. I mean, you do have to make it clear that you are selling probably not the first rights to that article, but the international market, it can be a really great market for reprints for material you've already sold in the U.S. and you just don't have any other place to sell it. Especially if it's a small niche market area. I mean, pet magazines was the example I used and that's a good example because there just aren't very many of them in the States. So you're going to run out of options fairly quickly on a particular piece. So I was going to say that reprints are, are really a wonderful way to reach out to the international market because they don't care that you know, mm-hmm. the U.S.'s biggest pet magazine has read this article. Is there a specific need in the
0: foreign market for articles? Uh, you had mentioned pets, and that was, I know it's just an example, but are there other niches that are you know more desired than others in the foreign market?
2: What I've been hearing is... Business articles are very popular in the international market. Articles that are somehow related to current affairs, not necessarily current U.S. affairs, but how world affairs may affect business, social issues, and that type of thing. Uh, health articles are another area that are very popular. And to a certain extent, you know, the, your, your basic how to, in terms of how to improve your life in some way, how to uh, get a better job, how to get a better house, all that type of thing. But, of course, in any of those areas, you have to keep in mind the how-to that you might apply in the United States may not be the same over in another country.
0: Right. I was just going to ask you about that. So, obviously, the Raider needs to do a lot of research to the, the country that they're actually targeting to see what the differences are between the United States and that particular country on for instance the how, how to but however when you're talking about self help that's a different story because we're basically humans and all the same all over the world
2: definitely and if it's something you know self help if that's something that is something you can do you know in your home or whatever you know 10 ways to communicate more effectively with your spouse for example as you say you can apply that anywhere in the world because we're all humans. We all have the same kind of communication issues. And certainly there are going to be cultural variants in any kind of a relationship, but that's the sort of thing that you should be able to sell almost anywhere. But if you were talking, let's say, about a health issue and you're saying, oh, you know, here, here are new treatments for this particular health issue, well, you need to know if those new treatments are going to be available in the country you're targeting because they may not be
1: or they may not be accessible to every person. Moira, as I'm listening to you, I'm, I'm curious um, in terms of the, the international market, is there a is there any sense that there's a, a popularity or a desire from international, um, well, let's just say um, publishers in other other countries where they might actually be more inclined to pick up an author from, uh, from the United States as opposed to somebody from their native country? Or would that maybe be vice versa here, where a, a U.S. magazine might actually... Um, think that a, a writer who's from kenya or from you know russia or something would be more fitting or more interesting than maybe an american writer to, to run a story by
2: i think it depends to a great degree on the subject area now it, let me take the second half of your question first and talk about u.s. magazines looking at international writers i my impression is in the u.s that most editors do not care at all where a writer comes from. They're only concerned about, is this article appropriate, useful for me? I know that's certainly true for me. For Writing World, I buy articles from writers literally all over the world, and we have quite an international stable of writers on the site. But I think that's that's really true throughout the U.S., that there isn't a... A sense of nationalism that oh well you know if I had a choice I'd rather take an article from an American author over someone else it's simply is this a good article now in the international marketplace I think that's probably less true that you have to have a more convincing reason why you should be writing this article for that market uh, as opposed to as you say someone from that country and that gets into, do you have a topic that you can pitch that maybe someone in the country would be less able to have access to? Or do you have qualifications that someone else may not have in, in country or that you know, someone with those qualifications just hasn't been reaching out to that magazine?
1: Okay, that, that makes perfect sense to me. So uh, say, for example, somebody... You know, like if we use the example of a pat magazine, say there are five pat magazines in the United States and they can't get their article published by any of the five of them, um, would you recommend then they try to sell it to the international market? Or, or do you always want to try to sell it to the local market first, the, the U.S. market, and then try the international market? Or or is it feasible to go the international route first?
2: Uh, that, that's a good question. And I think that depends on type of article that you're trying to sell. Uh, if you, When you're dealing with the international market, the same rules apply. You need to do a certain amount of market research and find out what are the interests and needs of the market that you're pitching to. So let's say you're looking at uh, one of the pet magazines in Great Britain. Why would you Pitch an article there, and not to the United States. Do they have something that they're looking at that's different from what, say, the U.S. pet magazines are looking for? If the answer is no, then I'd certainly suggest you target the U.S. magazines first. And there are some different reasons for that, which we can get into a little later. But getting back to that question, one of the questions that your question immediately suggested to me is: is you were saying, well? You haven't been able to sell this article to the pet markets in the United States. I think my initial reaction to that would be, why not? And don't necessarily look at the international marketplace as, well, I can't sell it over here, so maybe I can sell it over there, because they're just as picky as the U.S. market is. So if you have an article you have not been able to sell you know, to any of the markets in that particular subject area, I wouldn't make the assumption that you're going to be able to market overseas any more successfully because there just may not be, you know, there may be some reason why that article is not selling.
1: Okay, that makes perfect sense. It it really does then come down to the quality of the writing.
2: It really does, and I think in again in the international marketplace, in some respects, it comes down to that more because I think in some countries you do have more of a national feeling of, well, if I'm going to put out the money on an article, I would rather support local writers than international writers if I can get the material that I want from them. So you, again, do need to have a a convincing reason for that editor
1: why they should buy from you as opposed to someone local. Okay, so then that kind of brings me to my next question, especially when we're talking about the quality of the writing I'm wondering about language issues. I mean, if it's a really well-written article in English, do you only pitch it to countries where they speak English, like, you know, Great Britain, India, Canada, or is there a market for you in, say, Italy or France or, you know, some country in Africa where they, you know, they speak Swahili or something?
2: Well, that gets into the whole issue of translation. And... If you write in English and you don't write in any other language, then you're probably better off, at least in the beginning, starting with the English language market regions, simply because to get an article into another language, it has to be translated, and either you have to arrange for that translation or the publication is going to have to arrange for it, and that's extra money. So if you're not fluent in another language and not able to write in another language, then writing, you know, sticking to the English language market makes more sense, at least in the beginning, if you build up, you know, a good collection of international clips, then you might want to start looking a little further afield if you think there are ways that you can manage the translation problem. Now, if you are fluent in a second language, then that just opens up a whole additional world for you because... I think the farther away you get from the English language marketplace, the smaller the freelance population seems to become. And being able to translate maybe an article on on the latest business techniques or whatever that are popular in the CEOs of America into Italian is probably going to be a great selling point. Because not everybody is going to be able to have that combination, that you have the information that is current in America and you can put that in another language. Well, that really makes sense. So are there um, any guides
0: or are there sites where you can actually find the market? Uh, I'm just wondering how, as me as wanting to write an article for the foreign market, uh, how would I find these magazines or people that would be even possibly interested in what I have to say?
2: Well, that's <clears throat> that's a pretty easy one to answer because, yes, there are several market guides. And, again, there are market guides to the English language markets. I am not aware of any published market guides for, the non- for any non-English language market areas. Now, there may be some out there that I've just never heard of, but there are market guides for Canada, for Australia, and for Great Britain. I don't think that as far as i know there is no published market guide for india uh, say south africa anything like that but some of the international market guides do get a little farther afield in terms of of finding markets in other countries Uh, i'm just going to quickly rattle off some of the names here there's the australian marketplace and you can look that up online it is available on amazon it's quite expensive i just looked it up today And it's also available, of course, directly from the Australian publisher. There's the Canadian Writers' Market. There are about three different guides for England, or Great Britain, I should say, of which I have to say my personal favorite is Writers' Market UK. But there's also the Writers' Handbook, and there's the Writers' and Artists' Yearbook. Now, I'm rattling all this off, and anyone is sitting there frantically trying to take notes. These are, in fact, listed on writingworld.com. If you go to writing-world.com and just click the link to the international uh, section and scroll down, we've got all those books listed, and it's just an easy way to find them. Another really good source is a site called FreelanceWriter.com. And I believe that's all one word worldwide freelance writer and this is a guy who has been in the business longer than I have of running a writing website and he has just huge market resources and very much focused on international market resources I don't know again if he does any focusing on non-english language publications but this is probably one of the best online sources for international markets anywhere well, that's, that's great, and I'm
0: glad that you had mentioned that you've got that list on your website because I was frantically writing these things down, so that's great.
2: Make, make it easy here.
0: Yeah, that's great, of course. And being, you know, there it is online, and so that's the next thing I want to talk about. Are these other countries, the markets, really, do they do business like we do online constantly? I mean, you know, that just seems to me if you don't have a computer.
2: And there is no. No? No, no. Uh Um, Tell us more. Now, they're, they're getting more online, but the international marketplace has not gotten onto the Internet nearly as strongly as the U.S. marketplace has. And I think that's largely because many non-us countries just the the population is not using the internet to the extent that we are i mean we are so accustomed to oh i want to go buy something weird and esoteric i'll go type it into google and i'll find it and i'll give my credit card and away we go i just spent uh, 15 months in england uh, from 2007 2008 and i was really amazed at the lack of internet use that i would have expected it to be much more common but one of the problems in say great britain is if you get outside of the major towns and out into the countryside in many areas you still do not have a high speed connection available and that really limits what people can do online and the culture just hasn't quite caught up to you know the parts of the world that are just you know internet crazy i mean we're kind of internet crazy over here well, it's just a way of life, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It, it's hard to remember that. Oh, yeah. You know, I used to have to look in a catalog, and if I wanted to find something and put something in the mail and wait for it, or look in the yellow pages. I mean, Or look in the yellow <laughs> pages, and, and you couldn't find information on a business that was in another state, or even in many cases another city in your own state, very easily. So in this country. Most of the magazines are accustomed to doing a great deal of their business over the Internet. They usually have websites. They usually have guidelines posted online. And they're usually expecting to accept articles or queries, at least by email. When you start looking overseas, you're going to find that there are a lot of magazines that don't even have a website, And if they do have a website, it's usually a website geared entirely for subscribers with no information for writers, no guidelines, no how do you contact the editor, none of that kind of thing that we're getting used to. So it can be a challenge to try and track down who you need to talk to electronically, and sometimes you are going to have to make contact by mail, but usually, once you do, and then you explain, "Okay, you know I'm based in the United States. Can I submit by email as opposed to by post?" Usually you can work that out because it can be really a pain to have to try and deal with international postage and international reply coupons. I assume those still exist. I never hear them talked about anymore. So once you make contact, then you can usually
1: get a little further electronically. Moira, well I'm, well, I'm listening to you talk, and I, I was going to ask you that about sending things through the mail, and and specifically, um, I guess I'm, I'm just wondering about cultural differences, such as I, I mean, we're so quick here to send off an email and you know a sentence or two, and that's sufficient. When you when you are talking to people in other countries, um, assuming that of course their their English is is fairly good, uh, do you need to be more? Um, do your emails meet, need to be more polite or more descriptive? Or are, are there certain things that, like, things we should watch out for in terms of they won't think we're, you know, rude Americans or something?
2: I think being more formal and more courteous is always a good idea when you're dealing with international markets because we have gotten into a very, as you say, you dash off a couple of lines. You, know, hi, I'm so and so. How'd you like a piece on such and such? Bye. And that doesn't even always go over well in this market, to be honest, but not unless you actually already know the person. But business does still tend to run on more formal, more conservative lines overseas, and I mean, it certainly can never hurt you to be more formal, to be more detailed, to spell everything out, and also keeping in mind, even when you're dealing in English, that jargon and idiomatic phrases and slang that you assume are going to end of especially internet abbreviations you know we say btw and uh, fyi and all that and we bandy phrases like that around all the time because everybody here understands them don't assume that that some of these abbreviations are going to be understood
1: if you send them overseas okay that's good good advice um when you've sent the piece over and say they've accepted this this magazine, this other country has accepted your, your piece and they're and they're going to publish it for you, um can you explain to us a little bit about do you do you still own the rights to that piece? Are you just perhaps selling the foreign rights say in in French or in Italian or to people in Great Britain or the Netherlands and you, you then of course can go and sell it to people in other countries? And what what, and are, guess, what are your but, rights that you retain?
2: Um, anytime you sell a piece and it's published somewhere else, some set of rights is being used, and this is something that I know tends to confuse some writers because I've had writers say, "Well, I didn't get paid for for an article. I didn't, you know, I had it published for free, so I still have all the rights, don't I?" And my answer is, "No, you don't. It got published. It doesn't matter whether you got paid or not. That used up a certain set of rights. Usually, it uses up." in America it would use up something like First North American Serial Rights, for example. Or if it's electronic, if it was online, it might use up First Electronic Rights. When you're going overseas, first of all, and here's something to keep in mind well before you go overseas, is if you have sold an article to a U.S. publication and they have purchased all rights to that article and they have not given you back the right to sell reprints, then you're stuck. You technically cannot resell that article overseas, even though, you know, maybe they'd never find out. So when you're marketing your work over in this country and you think you might want to sell it overseas, it's very important to keep that in mind when you're negotiating contracts over here. So even now I've noticed that markets that want all rights have gotten much better at Making that a less exclusive thing where yes, they want to be able to do whatever they want with the article, but they will then allow you to resell it in other markets and so on later. And you know, they're giving you back a grant of rights. And that's important to make sure that you have that. So let's say you're, now you're going over to England, which is of course an English language market, and that's important to keep in mind. One of the things you don't want to sell in America, for example, is all English language rights because that would preclude you from selling to any of the other English language markets like Canada, England, Ireland, whatever. So you might want to go over to England and let's say you've sold first North American serial rights to the article over here. You can now sell first British serial rights to that article and there's no overlap in your rights. You should try and probably avoid selling larger things like, you know, all English language rights, because again, if you sell that in England, you can't sell it in India. So try to deal by country if you're dealing with English. And then of course, if you're dealing in another language, you can sell French language rights, or you can sell the rights to publish in France. It's two different things. or Italian language rights or Spanish language rights or whatever. So there's a lot of different ways you can slice
1: and dice that. Okay, so then um, well, I have have two questions for you based on that. One, say you did make the mistake of selling the English language rights to a U.S. magazine. Does that magazine then have the right to sell your piece to a magazine in England and and get paid for it because you own that piece?
2: um, That depends. What you're talking about tends to be a distribution right. So just because a magazine maybe in the U.S. buys all English language rights, that doesn't mean they can resell it necessarily. It just means that you can't. It means that they're, they're cornering the market on your piece. They're saying nobody can have it but us. Okay. But if they wanted to be able to resell that material and a lot of magazines do and a lot of magazines want to do it and not pay you a penny for it then what you'll usually find in your contract is a clause that gives the magazine the right to resell or distribute the mag- the article to wherever they want to resell it and you know it usually says and and no nothing comes back to you when that happens one of the reasons magazines do that is a lot of them like to sell their articles to those online databases.
1: Okay. I, I mean, we're talking, say, a magazine article that's, you know, a couple thousand words or something at the most. And uh, how can you walk us through the process of how they go about establishing these rights? Do you actually get a contract in the mail that you have to sign and mail back, or is it just something that... You know, is maybe posted inside the magazine or on their website, and you're just—it's just assumed that you understand that these are the rights that you're giving up.
2: Um, okay, that—that's getting into the the very basic. If you're sending out articles, first of all, you need to be looking at the magazine's guidelines, and hopefully their guidelines, whether they're in a book like Writer's Market or online, hopefully the guidelines will tell you what rights that magazine purchases. Now. America is a lot more contract conscious than a lot of other countries are. So in America generally you sell an article and you're going to receive a contract and the contract's going to spell out what rights you're giving up and what you're getting in exchange for that such as you know how much you're going to be paid when you're going to be paid whether the rights are going to revert to you later on, like six months or a year after the publication, all kinds of things like that. So in America, nine times out of ten, you're going to sign a contract, and if you don't sign a contract, you would be very wise to basically write up your own letter of agreement so that you know that you and the magazine both have the same idea of what's being bought and sold here. If you haven't checked guidelines and you get a contract and the contract says something like, Know, all rights or, worse yet, work for hire, which means you don't even own the copyright to your article any longer, It's it can be a bit of a shock, and you definitely should be doing that research before you're ever submitting your article in the first place or even a query. You need to know what you're going to be giving up, what you're going to get in exchange. Now, I already mentioned that the international markets are not nearly as good about posting their guidelines online, so you may not be able to get that information as easily, but at the same time, as I said, they don't tend to be quite as obsessed about contracts as we are. So a lot of times when you're dealing with the international markets, you're just going to be dealing with maybe a letter, a couple letters going back and forth, or emails saying, you know, hi, here's my article, great, you know, okay, you can have first great written rights, fine, wonderful, and that's it. Wow, I'm just sort of like I, I'm listening to all this, and
0: there's actually more than one probably actually realizes dealing with foreign market, and um, obviously there needs to be a lot of research. So my next question is, I'm wondering, you know, what's the pay structure? What happens? How are people paid? What?
2: How much are people paid for articles in the foreign market? The answer to that is it just depends just as much as it does here. I mean, you have high-paying, low-paying, everything in between. There is, um, and I'm not familiar with this. You'd have to talk to someone who's more familiar with the British marketplace, but there is, I think, a guild scale in England that is based on the circulation of the magazine, but I don't know what that scale is exactly. But I do know that for major countries that have a lot of publications. You're looking at the same general types of pay structures that you would see here. You know, if you see a magazine with a similar circulation to the US, then you're probably going to see a similar pay scale to that magazine. And of course, you know, the bigger the magazine obviously the higher it pays, but also the harder it can be to break into.
0: Well I can certainly understand that. It's uh, I imagine it's the same all over the place. So as I listen to you, Moira, we usually have a lot of um, authors that uh, listen, listen to uh, these broadcasts. And what I'm getting from you is the, uh, you know, of course we're talking about writing articles, but the importance of authors to write articles so that they can, in their byline, reference to their book. And this is certainly a good way to market their book in the
2: foreign it market it definitely is yeah mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and excerpts too by the way if you've written a book you can usually send out maybe you know assuming it's a non-fiction book obviously mm-hmm. then you, know, you can send out chapters as articles and you can send those out overseas too
0: what a great idea what a great idea well it sounds like from what you've said it's basically the articles need to be something that nonfiction, particularly for authors who have written nonfiction books, maybe how-to or self-help or business. That's really what the most sought-after
2: type of an article is in the foreign market. Then is that correct to say? Uh, that is, as mm-hmm. far as I've heard, that is the most sought-after. I think because it's the most general appeal.
0: Mhm. Well, that's uh, that's great. I'm uh, really glad that we were able to talk to you. And uh, again, I want to remind the listening audience of your website, writing-world.com. And I tell you, there is so much information. This is something like, you're going to have to take time or take several days to go through that whole website because there are just tons of articles. I'm really excited. About 600 articles on there. Oh, there are so many articles. (laughs) And... Thank you so much, Moira, for coming on, talking to us, giving our listening audience some pointers on how to get into that international market that we're all wanting to. You know, as authors, we want to sell our book in the international market, and what a better way than write articles and get ourselves known formally. Mm -hmm. That does help. Mm -hmm. Definitely does help.
1: Well, thank you again, Moira, and listeners. You've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. We'll be back next time when our topic will be writing and publishing Christian-based books with Paul Muckley from Barber Publishing. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We would love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views, Incorporated, and Loving Healing Press. And I am filling in for Victor at Loving Healing Press. This is Tyler Tischler in Marquette, Michigan.
0: And for Reader Views, this is Irene Watson in Austin, Texas, wishing you all a good evening.